Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. You're listening to Room 104, and we mentioned this a couple of nights ago on the show, and uh, it kind of got some different responses to it, but can runners be deemed a form of unfair advantage, and should certain runners be banned? Now, a lot of people did agree with me, saying that you can't ban a pair of runners. I mean, it's it's a piece of clothing. (laughs) It's not going to help you really, you know, to do better. If you're going to win a race, you're going to win a race. That's what I said. Oh, do you know about that now? Well, um, you might have seen, obviously, the last year, the end of last year, the first person ever to break the two two-hour marathon. It was done a whole project by Nike and then apparently in the last couple of months or since these Nike runners have come out that four or five other race records and track records and people have been shaving a lot of time off the world records that they've been competing in or the track records that they've been competing in. So now there's a massive debate amongst the running community of whether or not these shoes should be allowed into competitions around the world because some people are saying it's a form of, and I quote, mechanical doping. Yeah, well they're saying that they will make you be able to kind of jump higher or faster. Yeah, you're just bouncing around. But if you're all going to be bouncing around, someone still has to win, <laughs> right. you know? So uh, one person who has been involved with this, who's been looking at this, who's an ultramarathon himself, uh, ultramarathon runner himself, and also uh, Kineology, Kineology, oh, that's a big word. <laughs> I, I, it's one of those words that I can't say. Jeff, how do you pronounce that word that you're doing your PhD in? Say kinesiology. Kinesiology. Kinesiology, Got see? there in the end, right? It's just one of those words where the K was just not having a good time on my to- tongue. Yeah, I stayed silent for, for a reason. <laughs> Kinesiology. Listen, uh, Jeff Burns, very welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for popping on. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Pleasure to be here. Before we talk about the runner fiasco, I'm always fascinated with people like yourself, Jeff, that you're an ultra marathon runner. For someone who may not know exactly what that involves and how long of races that, you know, they take part in, what exactly is an ultra marathon runner? So by definition, it's anything longer than a marathon. Um, most of the times you see them starting at like 50K, sometimes more commonly, you know, 100K, upwards of 150, 160K. Some people do even longer ones where they run for like 24 hours. But I'm not that crazy. I do 100K is kind of my sweet spot, my bread and butter. So, 100k I can't even run for 5 minutes <laughs> let alone 100k like, you'd have trouble driving 100k I, seriously <laughs> really I would um, so Jeff is 100k the longest race you've ever done yeah I cap it there I'm not crazy you know? and is that <laughs> with any breaks or is that one full race non-stop 100 kilometers no that's full race non-stop oh. We're, when I, I've been fortunate enough to compete for the US national team the world 
world championships. And at that level, we're nickel and diming every second, every minute, trying to make quick work of the distance. <laughs> and how does one get to become an ultra marathon runner? Yeah. As soon as you run farther than a marathon, that makes you an ultra marathon <laughs> runner. I would say I train actually similar to a lot of elite marathon runners, but you know, I run, I started out running track and field in, in high school and at university. And then after that, I kind of found that longer and longer distances in training, I, I felt like I got stronger and stronger. So decided to dip my feet in the water of trying something long in the race, racing sides, and it went, went really well. So yeah, so it's kind of started out in the traditional athletics and cross country realm and then went longer. How long does it take you on average to run 100 kilometers? Like, what's the fastest you've done it in? So my best is six hours and 30 minutes. Do you want to know how insane that is, right? Because I did <laughs> I did a marathon, again, say about 10 years ago, one of those things on my bucket list to do. Yeah. And after I did it, oh, my, good, my good. training was horrific, right? After I did it, I couldn't walk for two or three days. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it took me to do 26 miles, which is what, is like 45 kilometers for a marathon there, thereabouts? Yep. It took me five hours, 13 minutes and to do... And you didn't stop? Uh, no, I didn't stop, no. But the, So you're doing now more than double that in pretty much close enough to the same time, an, an hour more like that just blows my mind well it's one of those things where i think when i get in the race this I, I tell people i think of it as like climbing up a ladder where it's like you don't look down you just go for it and you do it and you don't think about what you're doing <laughs> do you ever get a cramp in your side or, <laughs> or bored bored from running or your heart <laughs> just decides it wants to give up maybe because yeah. you're no neither of those i've been fortunate enough not to have cramping issues in my races. One thing that I always terrifies me at the beginning of races is the issue of going to the bathroom during oh, yeah. the race. Like I said, it's like, you don't want to stop. Like, inevitably, at some point you have to make a pit stop and then try and make it as quick as possible. It's always the thing in the back <laughs> of my mind that I'm nervous about. When you do stop, do you feel really weird because you've been running for so long? It can be a bit of a wild card where it comes in the race. If it's early in the race or in the middle, your adrenaline is going. You kind mm. of just go, get up, get back going. But I've had cases where I had to go to the bathroom like late in the race and it felt like went you know did my business got back up and it was like almost like like my blood pressure had totally shifted and my muscles had completely changed they're just that act of like stopping and changing your physiological state is maybe not a good thing late in the race when you're hanging on by a thread so yeah it's a total wild card which like I said it's why it always makes me nervous <laughs> right okay so that's again we could probably talk for hours about your <laughs> ultra marathon um, it's a superhuman yeah superhuman Jeff that we're on the line to right? But w one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is because I came across an article and some other pieces online that have been talking about the new runners that Nike have brought out, the Nike Vaporflies that have broken a series of records. I know the, the, the guy whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I can't, but the guy who broke the two-hour marathon last year was wearing them. And apparently now there's causing a little bit of controversy with some people saying that they should be banned and then these runners not allowed in competition. Can you explain what makes that runner that they've released so different and how it helps somebody improve their long distance running performance yeah so it the shoe the shoe is different conventional sneakers in i would say three big ways one it has this new foam in it where old running shoe foam is called eva and it's pretty inefficient you land on it and it cushions your leg but it doesn't give you much energy back so you can think of it as like a really bad spring like yeah. a spring that compresses and then slowly slowly goes back this new foam is much much better so it compresses and cushions you a lot but it bounces
bounces back into shape much better than the old foam, so it gives you back a lot more energy. Then the shoe, but the, but the foam is really squishy, so it's unstable on its own. So Nike put a carbon fiber plate through the shoe to stiffen it up and make it more stable. So now you've got this super squishy, lightweight foam. That, that's the other thing. It's even lighter than, than old foam. So it's lighter and returns more energy. So it's like cake eating it too. And then they throw that carbon fiber plate in there, which adds a little bit of benefit, adds stability to the shoe. And then on top of all of that, the shoe itself is much thicker. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the brand Hoka running sneakers. They, they're very, very thick. That's what this shoe is like. But previously, we never saw anybody racing marathons and that. Now they're racing shoes in these very, very thick shoes. And that, you can think of that as extending the effective length of the runner's leg with, you know, more equipment, essentially. So now we have this longer, lighter, stiffer shoe that returns more energy. And the end result is, yeah, faster running. But that's okay, surely, because it's a piece of clothing as such. It's not going to make somebody win a race over somebody else. No, that's not true. Um, so I think the question of whether or not it's okay is is what is being debated by a lot of people. But what if you and I are on the starting line and we have the exact same physiological characteristics and I'm just in an old pair of shoes and you're in that shoe, if we run a marathon at an elite level, you're going to beat me by three minutes. That much? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So our best estimates, you know, at the very elite level, like those guys winning the London Marathon, Berlin Marathon, you know, a conservative estimate would say they might get about a 2% speed benefit from the shoe, which, you know, is still two and a half minutes in the marathon and so somebody running 210, 215 it might be two and a half three minutes yeah that's a huge difference that actually, is a big you, difference when you talk about it like that yeah so do you think they should be banned in races then so I I mean personally I would prefer that we didn't have them in races but I think more importantly we just need a clear rule on footwear because we don't have a rule right now in, in world athletics and so the proposal that I put out was to limit the thickness of that shoe to essentially say shoe you can make whatever you want as a shoe it just has to be within this limit with it'd be similar to the idea of saying you know somebody could wear whatever swimsuit they want it just covers a certain amount of you know space on their body and i think shoes are simple enough or at least right now that we don't have to go into a lot of mechanical tests on the shoes if you restrict it to be a small amount of shoe on somebody then the benefit that it can add to them is correspondingly pretty small but the more and more you extend that shoe is you know if we get better and better materials and better and better architectures of these plates the more and more advantage you can have and make bigger and bigger differences and that gets back to the fundamental thing that is the question is how much do we want equipment to play a role in our performance if i'm somebody who in you know old baseline sneakers can run say 215 in the marathon and suddenly these new shoes give me three minutes and i can run 212 you know now there's like this three minute equipment advantage and previously maybe those old sneakers gave you you know minute or two advantage over if you trained being barefoot or something like that what i'm getting at is the more and more equipment plays a role the more and more that determines the outcomes of performance rather than the runner themselves and so I think that's where the the issue of regulating it comes in is how much of our sport do we want to be able to attribute to athletes and how much do we want to have to attribute to equipment some people I imagine would argue that the equipment let's say the runners is just unlocking your potential for want of a better mm. word you know you know what I mean? so what would you say to that that you know what it's just we've been hampered by inefficient shoes and inefficient clothing is this not just unlocking what we could potentially be doing 
I guess it just defines on what you could potentially, how you define what you could be doing. Because what, what's going on with these shoes is they're doing, they're doing a function that your body does, but that it costs your body energy to do. So what that is, is when we run, we act as springs as we bounce along. Our muscles and our tendons maintain tension, they contract, relax to function as a big spring that bounces along that costs energy to do that so mm. like your calf muscle your achilles tendon stores and releases energy but that comes at the energetic cost of your of your calves maintaining that tension so equip adding equipment to do that for us is now it's now doing more work than we wouldn't otherwise be able to do or does it in a way that this is important it doesn't fatigue so those energy return structures don't fatigue like your calf muscles do so you have two uh, things going on here where it's like not only does it not fatigue, but it's also doing a job that otherwise costs your body that costs, you know, the foam doesn't have an energy source, but it also doesn't cost energy to operate. So there is that idea that, you know, if you define your, your potential on that, it is certainly adding something that, that is not there in our potential. Because I was saying that maybe oh. everyone could wear them all across the board. This is the other argument that I think is an equally valid counter argument is if we get to a point where technology in the shoes is available to all and we, you know, continue innovating, eventually there's an optimal point. It's not one of those things where we could have longer and longer shoes and we'll be running on stilts, you know? <laughs> That's physiologically, that doesn't work. <laughs> there is a point, but I think the issue is that point might be a lot further away. So, like, those Nike shoes right now are about 40 millimeters thick. Normal running shoes used to be, like, 25 to 30 millimeters. So they're quite a bit thicker. The iterations that, like, Eliud Kipchoge wore in, you know, his 159 challenge, yeah. they're reporting those are on the order of, like, 50 millimeters thick, 45 to 50 millimeters. So you can see that, you know, that trend is clearly it's getting longer and longer because they're realizing with this foam, you can store and return more energy in that foam. So there's the argument that we will each all find our own self-optimal point. But my fear is that that is quite a bit further away from where we're at now. So we might still have a much long, every time there's a new advancement in technology, we're going to recycle this debate so that every time we watch a race and a performance, we're saying like, oh, this new technology came out, is it because of that or is it actually because of the runner? Inevitably cast clouds of doubt or, you know, you know, we can't take as much joy yeah. in the performances every time that happens until we get there. So, so I think that future of that optimal state for all is far enough away that it wouldn't be healthy for the sport to go there. Moreover, you know, if at the end of the day, we're all going to be racing in the same thing anyways, it'll eventually just get back to that state where it's competition and we're all just competing against each other like why not just not go there and keep the sport at what it is and not have to go through those very painful maybe decade or more of technological evolution i think right there could be a solution in the future right so you have bring running back to barefoot running so it's 100 oh. percent natural but what then, if you stood in a stone though but then on the flip side of that right you would have uh, another sports association that would allow drugging that would allow the optimal technology <laughs> that would yeah. allow implantation <laughs> the, the biomechanics <laughs> olympics you know what i mean like you just do what you yeah, want yeah yeah sports science you can you can have the sports the sports romance yeah. olympics and the sports I like science that. olympics yeah there we go i think we're onto something new here you know you'd have microchips in brilliant. your head i like that so uh, listen we yeah. will get working on that i'm going to submit my um proposal 
into the Michigan Performance Research Lab. And I'll take 10%. You'll take 10%. And then we'll see if we can get this new era of enhanced sports Olympics and sports performance uh, up and running. I can dig that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, Jeff, it's been um, a pleasure chatting to you. And I said we could talk for hours. Where's the best place that um, either to check out your research online or someone wants to connect with you and see more of what you're doing? Yeah, if people want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's just my name. It's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-B-U-R-N-S. Jeffrey Burns. Lovely. Well, listen, thanks a million for popping on. Very best of luck with all the running in the future and the research in the future. And cheers for popping on at Room 104 this evening. Hey, thanks so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.